Bankless Nation. It is the third week of May and it is a Friday morning. That means it's roll up time and this is dip week, David. Oh, dip God. week, David. <laughs> roll up time too. Are you excited, it's dip week, David? Also, all time high week and dip week all what? in the same week. Yeah, Ether hit its all time high in the the Friday after we recorded the last week of the roll up and then crypto also crashed all in the same week. Guys, we're going to be talking about all of that. That's going to be in the market section. That's what we do here every Friday morning. We try to cram as much of the week that was crypto into your brain where we cover markets, releases, news, takes, and then we end with what we're excited about. Except that we don't end there. We actually end with the meme of the week. So stay tuned for the meme of the week. This comes at you every Friday. All right, David, before we get in, we got to talk about consensus. Big crypto conference coming right up. People can get their tickets. This is the last chance, though, to get their tickets. David, you're going to be speaking. What are you speaking about? Ultrasound money on Monday. Still working on my presentation, but it's going to be hot. Ultrasound money gets its debut at consensus. And then I'll also be speaking on a panel about the current state of DeFi and, of course, how to live a life without banks. So Bankless also getting its debut at consensus uh really excited for this particular uh, year of consensus because so many of ethereum things have gone mainstream as we expected them to for years and years but now they are finally here now they have like the front stage at consensus DeFi, nfts so much to talk about uh really excited to talk about all those things and listen to the other conversations that are going on ray dalio is going to be there michael saylor is going to be there um anyone who's anyone in crypto is going to be there so you should be it's there too awesome Yes, I'm definitely going to be there. And Bankless listeners, you still have a chance, I think, two more days from today to get your ticket. $20 off with the Bankless codes. Make sure you do that. There's a link in the show notes, David. Also, this is no longer an opportunity. We, mm-hmm. uh, the Bankless DAO, that is, issued a uh, an awesome shirt. And this is based yeah. on our April's uh, April Fool's Day joke where we said, like, Bankless was getting acquired by Wells mm-hmm. Fargo. Psych. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll never happen. Right. And anyway... The Bankless DAO created community, created this fantastic shirt to com- commemorate that. It's the first, I think, in a future apparel line. It's all sold out now. That was a limited edition sale. I Hope think you got one. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, hundreds of sales there. Mm-hmm. It went really Over well. Over yeah. 300. So the mm-hmm. thing to do, guys, is next time, don't miss out on this. Go to cryptoculture.substack.com, sign up, get your email address there. That's where the drops will be dropped. So you're first to know. I think future mm-hmm. drops, David, might have a set amount mm-hmm. and you know, sell out. Um, might be time limited, but it might be also uh, number limited. Like Scarcity in one form or another. And that That'd is really the through line with bankless apparel is in, a, in the non-crypto world, the non-crypto culture world, apparel is not scarce. And there there is the world of like scarce apparel and just like, you know, streetwear that some people are into. Uh, and we want to emulate that culture in crypto apparel. There is... Uh, uh, th- there is a through line about fixing fast fashion, th- like bad garments that just cost $2 and you wear them two times and then you never touch them again. No, we want scarce apparel that you wear for life because it has that premium price tag. It doesn't fray. It doesn't wear out. It's a dope design done with an intent. The cool thing about this is that we didn't mass produce these shirts and then sell them. We took the orders and now we are making one shirt per unit of demand. So there's no excess, there's no uh, you know environmental uh, issues. It's about changing the culture of the world around us using scarcity and scarcity tools, uh, and also rug pulling the Wells Fargo logo and making it our own. Oh, that's just exporting crypto culture, and that's just mm-hmm. the fun part. I'm wearing one of these, which is Ritual mm-hmm. Bap design. Only 50 have ever will ever be made. 
really fun guys so get in on that okay david you ready to get in we got to start with markets this week and with markets we have to start with the dip but before we get there let's describe it for folks bitcoin what happened this week in bitcoin price sir yeah, Bitcoin fell from 58,000 of the high of the week all the way down to 36,500 or so at the, at the deepest part of the dip, which is a level that I don't think anyone saw coming. A slight rebound up into the low 40,000 range. But Bitcoin has really been having a tough number of weeks. Ryan, if you uh, zoom out all the way until, until April, uh, it's it, Bitcoin has been in this consolidation period, which everyone was hoping would break out from because it's a bull market. You tend to break out in bull markets, but no, it broke down and it's been having a real tough time uh, with, you know, and just overall in, in the news cycle, just the Elon just, just been hounding it like environmental issues, blah, 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 China FUD. Uh, Bitcoin having a really tough time lately. We're like, this is definitely three months low lows. Mm -hmm. It's not quite year to date lows, but it's getting close, man. We're getting really Oof. close year to date lows. Um, yeah, I do think there's a case to be made that the current risk adjusted return risk profile is really, really strong with Bitcoin right now. Like, ooh, interesting. Yeah. We'll get to that, back to that too. But first, let's talk about what happened in Ether because that went down as well. The price of ETH went down after, as you said, we hit all-time highs. So mm -hmm. tell us about the highs and then let's go to the lows. Yeah, Ether hit an all-time high of $4,390, which wow. is really, really high. And it kind of makes <laughs> sense as like when things are that high, like you can, it's easier to go in the down direction. And that's definitely what happened. Again, no one really expected this level of downness. And that's really the through line of the markets this week is like, holy shit. Like I kind of thought the, the, this was the only thing that I can remember of a move like this was Black Thursday in all of my years of crypto. Uh, is has never really seemed to move that much that quickly. Uh, and Ether went for, after, after it topped out of its high as $4,300, it came down to $3,700, then went down to $3,500 and held there. It kind of seemed like it was going to make a nice basing pattern. But then the floor just fell out and it went from 3,500 all the way down to 2,000. I know all the way down to $1,800 on some exchanges. Think about that. $4,300 down to $1,800. Like 55% that is insane. or that so is insane. off really quick, right? 55% mm -hmm. drop really quick. I've got some hot takes on that, but I'll reserve that uh, mm -hmm. for now. Let's, let's take a look before we get to those takes on the dip. It was dip week guys. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Buy the dip, maybe. We'll talk about that too. First, let's talk about how the ratio held right. up. This is the ETH to Bitcoin ratio. It's something, David, we've been monitoring since the first part of this year when ETH was really gaining on mm -hmm. Bitcoin. How did the ratio hold up last week? Yeah, the ratio peaked out at just over 0 0.08, which again, really, really high. And then it, and, and then it, historically, when dips happen, the ETH BTC ratio, quote unquote, nukes. it gets slaughtered yeah. consistently every single time. You know, when Bitcoin sneezes, Ethereum just gets absolutely wrecked. Uh, and to some degree, like the, the ratio did uh, pull back a little bit, but like it's still really strong. And that's kind of the sentiment around crypto Twitter right now is the ratio held up between ether and bitcoin which is something to take note of people don't remember but do you know do you remember another time it held up david was 2017 like when we saw mm -hmm. this kind of action and like mm -hmm. i feel like uh, this is maybe a theme when we get into talking about the dip but like so far dude 2017 2021 feels like a fractal of 2017 right. it's playing mm -hmm. out very similarly definitely 2018 2019 when bitcoin sneezed 
uh, ETH got destroyed. But right. that was not the case in 2017. And this is reminding me a bit of 2017. We'll get to that in Ryan, a little can you bit. Actually, speaking on that, I actually want to dive into that. Can you go into the ETH USD chart uh, and then also go back into and go into weekly candles so I, we can go all the way back into uh, 2017? Because I've been kind of thinking about like the what, what it means to go a full cycle. And I got into crypto and Ethereum after Ethereum pumped all the way up from like $10 up to $430 and that was crazy. And that's when I started paying attention to it. And then after Ethereum or Ether hit $430, it crashed down to $135. And that's the yeah. moment that I got in. And I, that feels like a, this feels like a fractal of that now. I know a lot of my friends who have just gotten into Ether in this brief moment of time, you're really having, you're really struggling with these charts. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like zoomed in and like, yeah, I don't okay. know, Anyways, I, I described, it, I described it pretty well. Um, All right. And so like all, all, a lot of my friends are just now getting into Ethereum and, you know, price is a great marketing tool. And it feels like that time when Ether ran up to $430 off of the insane floor of like 10 to $20 and then fell down to $130. Oh, dude, that's exactly it. Look, and the, the numbers are similar too. like, I remember mm -hmm. those days. This is why I feel like this is like 2017, right? So mm -hmm. that was 66% off of all time high. And mm -hmm. I remember that drop, David, it was like 420. Right. The memes were about mm -hmm. 420 ETH price, 420. And right. then it, all the way to 130, it was like mm -hmm. mass panic, bull right. market's over, ETH was a bubble mm -hmm. this whole time, mm -hmm. the entire platform's like worth mm -hmm. nothing. Like I told you guys all of this talk and it happened very rapidly, like in mm -hmm. this move. It was like in the flash of a day, two days, all of a sudden 66% right. drop. Feels very much like that right now. All right, David, let's take a look at this chart because I think this really nails it home. This is one ugly looking chart or at least one strange looking mm -hmm. chart. Green yeah. candle up, spike. Green candle down spike. What are we looking at here? Yeah, this is the weekly chart. So each candle is one week for the ETH dollar price. And the, there's a, a famous line, both in markets, but especially in crypto, uh, where, you know, stairs up or escalator up, but elevator down, right? And so you <laughs> yes. know, markets climb a wall I love of worry, <laughs> right? And so we were all we were all super euphoric when, when Ether hit $4,300. And then just one week later, it spikes all the way back down and retraces one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weekly candles are erased in two weeks, right? And so this is a lesson in A, just being in Zen about this because like this is going to happen. Pain comes in markets. If you feel pain, it, it's just inevitability. And so this is also a lesson in leverage. If you were on leverage and you got liquidated, I'm sorry, that's the pain. It's a lesson to be learned. If you didn't get liquidated, good job. Um, and the, the take here is that, you know, perhaps as, you know, crypto becomes more mainstream, we always thought the markets were becoming less volatile. Perhaps as these markets become bigger, the volatility actually gets bigger. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I still think volatility is going down over the long, like over the long term, if you like cycle all the way out a little bit. But yes, absolutely. We're not over the volatility day, days. And I actually think volatility is a feature, not a bug. At some, at some level, right? Like, so people are so afraid of volatility, but the, you only have to worry about volatility if like holders don't have to worry about volatility. Right. Like I, I'm, traders I'm holding do. ETH. Yeah. yeah. Traders do. Holders don't. I like, uh, the market gets, and I feel like the news cycle, David gets, gets all hung up on cryptos volatility. And they think that volatility is like a proxy for risk. Right. Mm -hmm. But like the fiat markets are a lot less vol volatile but I think they have a massive, like a whole lot more tail risk here right. in, in, yep. in fiat markets, right? Mm -hmm. So 
it's just a different, it's, it's, it's almost a more honest market, right. if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there aren't people tinkering with the dials. And so right. you get this, this craziness and right. of course, less liquidity too at these earlier phases, mm -hmm. but let's talk about everyone's asking what happened, right? So when something right. like this happens, you get a big drop. Uh, everyone wants to know what was the cause of this? So we have to talk about this. What was the cause of this? Here is a trader's perspective. This is uh, Dylan LeClaire had a great uh, tweet thread about it. Let's go through some of these, David. So first off, Dylan says, bull market corrections on the general of 25 to 30% are completely normal and expected. This has happened in all previous bull runs. That's his yep. first point. Mm -hmm. uh, his second point, he talks about Elon Musk here throwing a Molotov cocktail into the mix here. Also, Elon Musk talking about uh, energy consumption of Bitcoin. So that's one other possible explanation for it. Uh, where else does this thread take us in, in terms of Dylan's explanations for this uh, downturn, David? Yeah, he looks at some uh, UTXO analysis where like who is sending uh, Bitcoins. This is a, a Bitcoin focused trader who is sending Bitcoins and at what prices. Um, and he draws the connection that you can uh, do this thing called the spent output profit loss ratio. I'm not familiar on this metric, but the conclusion he comes to is that there was a ton of leverage in the system. It's all about leverage. And this is where these normal 20 to 30% dropbacks, which are healthy, turn into violent, immediate, cascading, <laughs> right. quick drawbacks. And so he goes on on his ne next tweet, Ryan, uh, he, he uh, looks at, um, here's what he says, following the 64,000 all-time high, the market started to sell off. During the sell-offs, funding flips negative, which means that you are actually uh, incentivized um, I, th I think this is right. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, listeners, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, if, if When funding flips negative, you are actually paid to go long. And so each time traders quickly leverage back up. So like Bitcoin hit 64,000, it dipped down to 55,000. And people are like, there's the dip. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to leverage up. And so the leverage never got flushed out of the system, right? Underwater longs kept adding to their leverage, right? Every dip, they added more to their leverage. And at some point, the, this guy claims that on the next tweet that a bunch of whales saw this, opportunistic whales saw this and deposited into exchanges and began relentlessly spot selling, knowing that these, uh, knowing that how many leverage traders were going to, they were going to forcibly make them underwater and forcibly liquidate them, right? And so the, this, uh, uh, you know, in theory, uh, whales looked at all how much leverage was in the system and they're like, if, if we dump the market, we can buy like discounted Bitcoins, right? Uh, and so that's the conspiracy is that there was a way too much leverage that was identifiable, very much like the GME debacle, right? Like people just uh, notice how much sh short position there was. And so they bought a bunch of GME and then all of a sudden we had the squeeze. This is the same exact thing, but just in the inverse, right? And so now there's a ton of leverage just flushed out from the system. If you get liquidated, your leverage goes to zero. Uh, and that's what happened to a lot of people. We had twenty-seven like billion dollars of open interest at the, uh, I believe, uh, the sixty-four thousand dollar mark, and now we got that cut in more than half. The trader finishes by saying, "This is nothing and should be treated as a huge buying opportunity." I, I feel like that's a great trader's explanation of, of mm -hmm. what happened. It's just like there was so much leverage in the market downturn caused cascading downturn because of leverage, and the leverage was flushed. Right, and that has to happen periodically right. as part of a bull run, which is why you've seen this pattern 
in other bull runs. You know, what's also interesting, David, that that's kind of the trader's take of why this happened. But of course, like crypto media and like the narrative side of crypto wants to take too. Here were, I guess, a few popular takes I heard for why this happened. One, Routers China banned Bitcoin. Routers reported that China banned Bitcoin. Um, I don't know if you saw this circulating, mm -hmm. but it was in fact not the case. China right. did not ban Classic Bitcoin. This, I don't know how many times this has happened. Like it's more, literally more than dozens. Ten. At, more than like, 10. Yeah. For real. Uh, so you had it's all, that. It's like honestly a ceremony at this point. It's like, oh, yeah, we got to like, China, oh, China, China this week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen every three months or so, just like mm -hmm. clockwork. Uh, Elon Musk tweets his, his tweet that Tesla uh, was dumping 1.5 billion Bitcoin stash. Of course, Tesla was not dumping the, the, the Bitcoin stash. Although Elon's pretty erratic these days Very erratic. in his tweets about cryptocurrency, which we'll get to. Okay, So some people said that was the cause. It was Elon's fault. Uh, over leverage, which we talked about. Other people said it was Tether. So mm -hmm. uh, Tether published a breakdown of its reserves not super cash centric. I don't know if you saw that, David. It's like, it uh, also very little FUD. ceremony is FUD. We always get it. Yes. Yes. Also Tether's compilations. Like when you buy a Tether, you, you're definitely not buying a dollar in the, in the bank account. You're mm -hmm. buying a lot of other things, but it's Full not faith a dollar and credit in the bank and the account. Redeemability of a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Plus like treasuries and bonds right. and all mm -hmm. sorts of things. Anyway, separate discussion. That was uh, a reason given also broader macroeconomic trends inflation mm -hmm. warnings right what, what was the reason okay maybe, maybe that's led like right. uh correlation with with stocks maybe that's led to the growing fear and uncertainty investors are getting skittish you know all of these things are given as explanations but i almost feel like they're they're always like narratives that sort of retrofit the data mm -hmm. and i just i'm not convinced by any of them mm -hmm. right i just think like in bull markets, this sort of thing is going to happen. And then people will look back after it happens and be like, oh, here were the causes right. very clearly. Right. It doesn't actually have to have a cause. It could have been anything that happened. So, I think holistically, we can say like, oh yeah, all of those things, like overall, it just made everyone just really down. Like our hero, Elon, turned against us. Yeah, people are just down about this tether fud, like China. Yeah. Like, God, maybe it made people pessimistic, right? Holistically, not really any one of these things, but overall, people are just like, oh, there's so much to fight. The energy debate is relentless. Nick Carter is getting swarmed, uh, <laughs> and, and then also at the same time, we have this, these over leveraged traders in Wales, which really just like lights the dynamite. Like that, I feel yeah. like is a more rational explanation. For sure, and. I, I guess I feel like you could swap this set of headlines out with any other sure. set of headlines mm -hmm. in a given week or two weeks in crypto, and it would be the same thing. Like mm -hmm. the, the net of this, David, is I feel like a reckoning was needed, a mm -hmm. reckoning. People needed to get wrecked <laughs> after this after this bull run. Like it had to happen mm -hmm. and dips happen. Um, I tweeted this out, David, right? So like people are stunned by mm -hmm. the um the drop the sudden mm -hmm. drop right? right and i get that but like Whiplash. also feel it we feel it we feel it we feel it like but also guys like zoom out mm -hmm. right so the the prices that you just quoted right ether all the way down to 1800 it was 1800 45 days ago <laughs> like just 45 days we only lost 45 days at the lowest of the low now ETH is is recovering a bit but like oh my god man like if if you bought 45 days ago, you You're wouldn't fine. have lost anything yeah. on ETH. Like, 
let's zoom out a little bit and realize how much this asset class has been growing, right? Rather than focus on the dips, like it is true. When in doubt, zoom out. Like you have to zoom out uh, and realize that we're sitting at a price right now that we were like 30 days ago, less than 30 days. And as low as low is only 45 days ago from a price perspective. Um, there's a there's a tweet response on on my response that just made the point that uh, David, you and I were talking about that right. the same thing happened in in 2017, mm-hmm. from the 420 mark to the 150 mark. So dips are going to happen. It could have been anything. I feel like this was just destined to happen uh, at at this point in the cycle. Yeah, and again, this feels like the marker of the second half of the bull market. That's what it was in 2017. I feel like that's what this is now. Good take. Um, springtime. It's it's funny. It kind of happened around the same time in 2017 yeah, yeah, as that's well. Right. Uh-huh. Um, let's go to Raul Paul. I thought I thought this was interesting too. So Raul Paul does a chart comparison. The first is Bitcoin now versus 2013, where he's mm-hmm. comparing the two. And in white, you see current price of Bitcoin. Right. In this navy color, you see Bitcoin price 2010, 2017. Um, the lines kind of line up. Yeah. I mean, chaotic, like chaotically line up. Yeah, totally. Fractally mm-hmm. line up. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to. BTC go to now for 2017. Right. Yep. Perfect. And this is, this is exactly what we we're just talking about. Like the dips almost. Yeah, exactly what you, we, you just said. Like it's seasonality is actually the same. The dip amount is pretty similar. Like, I guess this is just the ceremonious halfway through the bear, the, the bull market, like whales, whales are getting more bullish and they have more resources to liquidate markets who are over leveraged. Maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is it. I think he uh, did uh, ETH somewhere too in the thread. Yeah. Someone asked him, Hey, somewhere. do ETH. Um, here it is. Yeah. Or ETH now versus BTC in 2017. Is that what this is? Yeah. Ah. You, you can, wow. So ether in the bear market of 2018 to 2019 was lower than BTC in 2017. And right now it's higher. And I feel like that's just a perfect indicator of just like Ethereum and Ether's narrative was getting just absolutely slaughtered in the bear market. And now (laughs) finally people are starting to figure out. And so it goes from underperforming to overperforming really quickly. That's interesting. That is interesting. What's, what's he doing? So he's doing one for ETH. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, that was what we just looked at. Okay, I, I would love to see like ETH now ETH versus ETH. ETH in 2017, but I'm sure that's out there. Anyway, like these patterns are all super similar. So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, while this chaos was going on, of course, crypto exchanges went down. I think a number of them, David. Uh, the, like, I think the record number of them. Coinbase, doesn't help. which I mean, usually goes down. Uh, <laughs> yes. Binance US, US went down, Kraken went down, Gemini went down, Bitstamp went down. That's all of the exchanges. That's all of them. That's every single one. What didn't one. go down? What didn't go down, David? DeFi you didn't go down. Didn't, DeFi did not go down. Ethereum did not go down. Ninety-nine. <laughs> gas prices went up though. Gas prices I'll, went I'll up. Say that. Kind of a proxy of going down. <laughs> if you can't afford a gas price, is it really is it really up for you? Um, yeah, it's a bigger bigger conversation. Yeah, uh, did not go down though. All right, David. Let's let's talk a little bit more about um, what happened in DeFi. So total locked in DeFi. Also Almost ninety down. billion dollars, and then it got flushed it, it, out it to peaked. below sixty billion dollars. <laughs> uh, we were almost we were almost celebrating that hundred billion mark, and mm-hmm. then all the way down. Um, so that's total locked value in DeFi. How about how did 
how did DeFi tokens hold up this week? Let's look DeFi at that. tokens have DPI. been doing okay, right? Like uh, Aave still four hundred and sixty dollars, Uniswap twenty six dollars. Um, impressive. It's pretty impressive, as in like generally flat. I mean, they definitely took a hit, of course, but as far as things go, DeFi tokens didn't really get the run up that Ether got, but also didn't get like the slaughtering that Ether got either. That's super impressive, actually. Yeah. I didn't realize mm -hmm. DeFi tokens held up uh, so okay. well this week. They did okay. DeFi uh, did okay. Let's uh, take a look at this. And look, yeah, ratio. look at it. D DPI, DPI versus Ether. Uh, again, called the bottom last week a little bit. Uh, so roughly 10 days ago, called the bottom of 0.13. You did, sir. Uh, ETH per DPI, we are at the level of 0.161. We almost got up to 0.18, down to 1 point, uh, 0.161. But yeah, ETH versus DPI, bottom still in. Patting myself on the back, maybe I'll become a trader. You know, that's, that's actually impressive, David, because I actually would have would have predicted that um, a DPI would have gotten slaughtered uh, right. relative to ETH mm -hmm. in this in this, and that didn't happen. So mm -hmm. maybe that bottom will hold, sir. Um, I think so. I like this. I like this chart too. This is from this is good. Well, alternative. I mean, it's the fear and greed index, right? And I think they measure this based on various social media sentiment, other sentiment mm -hmm. scores, but right now. We are on the extreme fear side of the spectrum. I think mm -hmm. the other side of the spectrum is like you know jubilance, exuberance, mm -hmm. rational exuberance, right? right. We Perhaps are now Shibu in tokens are going bajillion X's. Yeah, last uh -huh. week, and then also <laughs> ETH maxis are gloating about the ratio. Yeah, there's yeah, exactly. Going wait, around. wait, who does that? No who one does that. No one does. No that. one does that. No one does but, that. But let's say hypothetically they did gloat about the ratio. They would do that in the exuberant phase. They yeah. would not <laughs> do that in the extreme fear phase. And now we are in extreme fear phase. I'm reminded of this Warren Buffett quote where he says, be greedy when others are fearful mm -hmm. and be fearful when others are greedy, right? Like, so what it worked when, out you for dial, <laughs> when you dial into the extreme fear phase, when we're over mm -hmm. there, that's when you got to be greedy, right? Right. When we're in exuberance, mm -hmm. that's when you feel like, mm -hmm. like your lizard brain tells you, it's like, oh my God, it's going up. It won't stop going up. I got to leverage. I got to leverage. I got to get more. Ooh, FOMO, FOMO, that's FOMO. That's worse, right? That's mm -hmm. worse when you lever, lever up to even get, like increase those gains. Um, that's when you should be fearful. Like you should look around and be scared. Um, but right now we've swung into the extreme fear. And I think that investing adage, Buffett's investing adage holds up. You got to be gre uh, greedy during those times. I will say one thing back to your comment, David, earlier about margin. You know, the, the thing that gives you confidence during the extreme fear times, like confidence to be greedy, like the ability to be greedy is if you don't have margin. It's a lot harder to be greedy when you have margin, like during that times of extreme fear, because you're just like, right. you're feeling you're that flushed. fear. You're flushed. You're, yeah. yeah, you got nothing. You're on the verge. There's no dry powder. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you be greedy when others are fearful? It's no leverage, fam. Like yep. if you want to do that, have the dry powder ready. Don't overinvest. Mm -hmm. Long-term time horizons. Mm -hmm. All of these things are important. And I think it's um, a, it's also a, a, a practice in mindfulness. If you can be Zen about the dip and be like, yay, I get to deploy <laughs> capital. Uh, everyone else is scared. Sure. I'm scared too. And I'm buying anyways. That's yep. a practice. That's a practice in mindfulness. And that's how you survive long-term in crypto. Position yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. You have to position yourself to do that too. Mm -hmm. um, this is a good take from Hasu. Man, he's he, he might be more EIP fifteen five nine bullish than we are, David. And uh, that podcast, guys, if you haven't listened to the podcast we mm -hmm. had with Hasu on EIP fifteen five nine, go listen to it. 
Um, but he did a thought experiment. Imagine if EIP 1559 was live today. David, what did he say here? Every single block mined during this big dip had 30 ETH in fees or more. That was the basal level of ETH fees per block during this crazy volatility times. All of that would be burned and retroactively paid like via buyback and burn to Ether holders. Like 30 ETH just deleted every like 12 seconds, by the way, because that's how fast Ethereum blocks. 30 ETH paid every 12 seconds. Uh, I don't know how, what that is annualized, but it's a really big number. Um, uh, and then, uh, of course, if proof of stake goes well, uh, stakers receive all of the extras fees, right? Uh, one day fees of uh, $80 billion. I, uh, yeah, 80 million. I was 80, 80 million, excuse me. Uh, 80 billion. Uh, I, bet you, <laughs> I bet you it was over 100 yesterday. I forgot to check it yesterday. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm eight, sure 80 million dollars of revenue per day. Like, think of Ethereum as a business. 80 million of dollars per day in revenue with no overhead. Like, that's a profitable business that you want exposure to, and Ether's how you do that. Dude, also look at Uniswap. <laughs> I was like paying attention to, to uh, Ethereum all week on fee revenue. But like, look at uh, look at Uniswap, man. Ten million in fees. Sushi Swap, eight million in fees this week. Uh, decentralized exchanges have really hit their their stride, and they do best in mm -hmm. bull markets. Uh, sorry, in volat in volatile market, whether that's mm -hmm. bull or like bearish volatility. So here's crazy. a new member on the uh, the crypto fees uh, page is uh, QuickSwap, which is the Uniswap fork on Polygon. Polygon, Ooh. yeah, Uniswap fork on Polygon is the number one, two, three, four, fifth, the fifth largest revenue generating application in all of crypto, and it's on an, an Ethereum L2. This includes, uh, does this include all of the Binance chain stuff too? I think sure it, does. it does. I think it does. Oh. Uh, Command F uh, Pancake. Command F Pancake? Yeah. Oops. Pancake. Well, nope. Maybe it doesn't. Not here. Maybe it doesn't. Might not. I thought it's it was filtered out. Uh, does not include. Oh, okay. Ethereum XI good. Polygon. That'd be interesting to look at those too. A per David? discussion with Udi. <laughs> oh, we there. know who we know who's doing that. Maybe he's not doing it for a reason. Anyway, hmm. that is markets, guys. We are going to be back with some hot releases, some news, some takes, of course, meme of the week. Stay tuned for all of this. But first, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Ave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum and just recently released Ave version two, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Ave even more powerful. With Ave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi money Legos, yield and composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can deposit in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have deposited collateral. Here you can see me getting a 200 USDC loan against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens and ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock that interest rate in permanently. One of Aave's V2 features is the ability to swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you, all in one seamless transaction, so you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. Balancer is DeFi's most powerful automated market maker. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs in DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. 
This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indexes, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer smart pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fee based on market conditions, or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we used a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. Balancer V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, idle tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool. To top things off, Balancer is reimbursing all gas costs with BAL rewards, meaning that all your gas costs are returned to your wallet with the Balancer governance token. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the Balancer pools at pools.balancer.exchange. All right, guys, we are back with releases. We've got to talk about Uniswap V3 at the start of this. V3 released two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. It is already the second largest decentralized exchange on Ethereum, trailed only by Uniswap V1, and it's fast V2. catching up. V V2, excuse me, yes. And it's fast catching up. Mm -hmm. So at this pace, it might actually surpass Uniswap V3, or sorry, V3 might surpass V2 by the end of this month. Uh, Absolutely. Are you surprised crazy. about that? Uh, I mean, no, because Uniswap V3 is straight up a new paradigm in AMMs, where AMMs to begin with are already a new paradigm, but V3 is a new paradigm inside of a new paradigm. Uh, and so I like to use the word paradigm. Um, <laughs> it's also in interesting to note that uh, you know Uniswap V2 and V3 are not Uniswap, right? Oh, there is no one, there is no Uniswap. There's Uniswap V1, there's Uniswap V2, and now there's Uniswap V3. These are all different things. They just are right. under the same brand. Right and and technically shelling point social consensus around the same token. Um, yes, and we all everyone expects big things out of V3, uh, and so uh, and V3 has been adopted in very specific niche circumstances, and but now people are coming to learn how to use it. Uh, the UI is getting better. Uh, people are getting more strategic with their liquidity. Look, man, there was always the chance that that it could fail. I remember, like you mm -hmm. know, because um, because it's such a new paradigm, right? Right. Um, so like, you know, you hit a grand slam and then is the follow-up going to be as good? Kind of mm -hmm. reminds me of like, you know, Apple released the iPhone and then they released the iPad and analysts were like, uh, what, what is this? IPad, right. Yeah. Like, is this going to do well? And this kind of felt to me like this, it was, it's definitely a paradigm shift, but also risky some mm -hmm. level. You're changing mm -hmm. the core way Uniswap V2 worked and you're changing everything about it. And so it felt risky to me, but like it's, uh, working. And it seems to be working really well. So, congrats to the Uniswap team. Absolutely. Uh, Slingshot, let's talk about that. What is Slingshot, David? You used it this week. Yeah, Slingshot is a AMM or, or a decentralized exchange aggregator on Polygon. Uh, so, this is a new Polygon release. Uh, I've traded uh, on it, and goddamn, are the fees absolutely awesome. It literally feels like a centralized exchange. And the awesome very in, few in like non existent, right? Sorry? Awesome as in non-existent fees. Yes, as in 0 0.0001 Matic, which one Matic wow. is like $2 right now. And so 0 0.0001 Matic is basic, basically zero, call it zero. Uh, and also basically instant finality, right? And so block times are really, really short in Polygon. I think they're like two or three seconds and they always get through on the first block because there's so much extra, extra free real estate. It's a suburb, it's an Ethereum <laughs> suburb, right? Uh, and so 
the the great thing about uh, Polygon and and specifically Slingshot is like Polygon's still relatively new, even though that they have been being adopted very very fast. There's actually really decent liquidity on Polygon, but there can always be more, and that's what Slingshot does. It's a liquidity aggregator. It's a Dex aggregator, much like One Inch, much like Matcha, um, but now it's on Polygon, uh, and so uh, really just adding liquidity into Polygon, making Polygon a very um, hospitable place to live. That's cool that there's enough liquidity on on Polygon mm -hmm. for a DEX aggregator at this phase. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to be talking about Polygon some more later because it's had a big run up and a big yep. week. Um, so we'll get to that. Some attention. Yeah, um, Coinbase is excited to announce. They say in this tweet a new Coinbase wallet extension, a wallet extension to more easily and securely connect to apps and DeFi on your desktop. David, this sounds like Coinbase is rolling out their version of MetaMask. Is that what this is? Right, yeah, There's people have just gotten used to using a browser extension uh, to interact with DeFi, and so Coinbase is getting into that game. They already had this uh, MetaMask, uh, this Coinbase wallet, which I don't think many, very many people will be familiar with. If you have downloaded what is canonically known as Coinbase, this is not what you have downloaded. This is Coinbase wallet, which is a uh, self-custody, you control your own private keys, uh, DeFi-enabled wallet with DeFi apps involved. And so you put your own Ether there, you put your own tokens there, you pay for your own gas. Uh, it's it's non-custodial, non-centralized. Uh, and so now they are trying to really finally double down on this infrastructure that they've they basically cool. had in the back pocket forever now and finally trying to get that thing integrated into DeFi uh, because they finally know, finally recognizing that DeFi is the place to be. Uh, and so uh, hopefully Coinbase just expends more and more resources into the Coinbase wallet because we could definitely use some diversity of options in DeFi. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited that MetaMask has some uh, competition to make them mm -hmm. better. And you know, another reason I think uh, Coinbase joined is because MetaMask is absolutely crushing it mm -hmm. on fees. Mm -hmm. Like they are generating real revenue. It mm -hmm. seemed for a while like, well, is MetaMask going to be sort of a public good? Does it really have right. a business model? But they incorporated some decentralized exchange aggregation, mm -hmm. added a layer of fees on top of that. Uh, people are using it for convenience reasons and they're just crushing it in terms of crushing. revenue. So Coinbase mm -hmm. is like, Business opportunity. What are right. we? We're a business. Right. We're a crypto business. So we're going to go where the business opportunities are. And I think that that's part of their expansion of the space too, yep, um, which is cool. Let's talk about this, David. Miso. Miso on SushiSwap. What is this? Yeah. So this is interesting. This is a really interesting conversation. And this is a kind of, I feel like very much in my, in my camp because I came in during, into the crypto during the ICO boom. And ICOs leave like a bad taste in people's mouths just because of what they turned into. But as a primitive, all an ICO was, was a token launch and distribution platform mechanism or slash mania. Uh, permissionless. Permissionless, right. Uh, and it was very, very, like I said, rudimentary, primitive, bare bones, uh, and also too early. Uh, we are returning to the concept of good token issuance uh, or, or just token issuance at large. So like this is basically a rebranded ICO platform, but maybe we should stop. Maybe we should leave the term ICO behind. This is a token launch and distribution sale infrastructure platform. And so they have a bunch of different mechanisms to get your token out into the wild. And so here's what uh, I'll read this from the, uh, the launch article. Miso is a suite of open source smart contracts created to ease the process of launching a new project on the SushiSwap Sushi Swap Exchange. 
Miso aims to drive new capital and trade it, trade to the exchange by increasing the attractiveness of SushiSwap as a place for token creators and communities to launch new project tokens. We aim to create a launch pad for both technical and non-technical project founders that will allow communities and projects to access all the options they need for a secure and successful deployment to the SushiSwap exchange. Choose from crowd sale, Dutch or batch auctions, and as well as how you would like to manage participation. So it's basically a suite of tools built on top of SushiSwap to launch your token. This is exactly what Binance tried to do with their IEOs, which was just an iteration off of ICOs. Uh, I remember Consensus how they had the uh, Foundry spinoff that didn't really do well, that tried to capitalize on the token issuance. SushiSwap, getting back into token bootstrapping tools. Uh, and I'm really optimistic about that because while ICOs were corrupted, that doesn't mean that token issuance and token creation is bad. Uh, and I think we could just have more optionality and expressivity with how we launch these things. And now that we kind of, uh, as a community, are more self-regulating, I'm very much bullish on open, more permissionless, easy launch tools. Because I remember I wanted to launch my own token back in 2017 because I, was a, I just wanted to. Like, why not? And I didn't really have any help to do it. I had to learn how to code. If this is allowing just random people to just launch their token ways they see fit, people like Gary Vee, who just wants to launch a token, doesn't really care about the technicals or any other community member, this is a tool for them. That makes me really bullish. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. it's 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 really exciting. And like with Binance chain uh, or with Binance IEOs, they, they sort of got corrupted, right? Like you mm -hmm. had to pay Binance a fee. They wanted their cut of the process. This is really open permissionless mm -hmm. uh like you know saki and miso is not taking a, a inordinate cut out of this mm -hmm. this whole process so it's uh it's really different and really accelerates mm -hmm. that idea the, the other thing that struck me david is like what a perfect project for a pseudo anonymous team to capture to to execute on right mm -hmm. um there there are many other teams yeah, that wouldn't want to even touch this because of 2017 sec securities type pressures but where is where is the sushi swap team? I don't know. All over the world, outside of jurisdictions, right? This is a DAO pseudonymous project. Great launch, public infrastructure. More tokens are coming. Some of these tokens will be terrible, absolutely terrible, as they were in 2017. But this is a new primitive and mechanism for us to experiment on. Like it. they're actually they're also launching with this sake token. So they have their own internal project, and sake is literally it's a token redeemable for a bottle of sake. And what? They, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so they part, they've partnered partnered with like this, uh, you know, very uh, craft sake, I guess you would call it. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but very premium sake. And there's only going to be, I think, 800 sake bottles. So like, don't even think that this is just like a, a you know, a DeFi token launch prop platform. Like, literally launch your token for whatever. Like, we could have launched our BAP tokens uh, with this as well. Um, literally, you're it's it's up up to you to use your imagination to how you want to use this infrastructure. And also it's really it. bullish for sushi because they make they help people launch their tokens and naturally they're going to people who launch their tokens on sushi swap are going to be so inclined to keep their tokens on sushi swap and keep liquidity there. So it's a really big play by the sushi swap team. The last take on this is remember when sushi swap was just a fork of Uniswap? Uniswap, right? Man has it evolved, right? Not evolved that into its own thing, uh, doing a you know, separate direction. Really cool to see mm -hmm. the community uh, build new things around this. All right, David, let's get to the news of the week. I think there are two big stories of the week that we need to cover. The first is erratic Elon. Erratic what is Elon. What is Elon Musk doing again to the crypto markets? We've got to talk about that. And the second what is, is he doing? this this theme that we've talked about elsewhere, which is the rise of Polygon. 
-hmm. What does that mean for layer twos? What does that mean for side chains like mm -hmm. Binance smart contract chain? So let's talk about that first. Erratic Elon, what? What? Why is Elon picking a fight with picking fights crypto? left and right? We're What's he doing fights here? With Michael Saylor of all people, right? So you know, uh, uh, Peter McCormack made this big thread trying to like help Elon, like guide him down the, the rabbit hole of crypto, and then Elon was like, annoying Maxi threads like this just want want to make me ape all my money into Doge. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Michael Saylor made a comment, and then it's and then. And then uh, Elon Musk made a meme of, of some guy looking in the mirror, pointing at himself in the reflection and goes, no, you are a genius. Everyone else is wrong. Uh, it's not the bull market. You really are a genius, uh, which is poking fun at Michael Saylor, who, you know, bought a bunch of Bitcoin and then Bitcoin went up in price. And so now everyone loves Michael Saylor. He's really just picking fights left and right. Right. Like he picked a, a fight with Chainlink God. And so like really no, has no friends in the crypto space because he picks fights with everyone. Except and Doge community. And, and, and then goes and chills Doge. Right. Um, erratic Elon Why? and so probably, and probably contributed to some of this market decline because again, it's just like, it was just demoralizing for everyone. Like, fuck Elon, like, it's just ceaseless. It's endless. Like, why are you even doing this? It makes no sense. Like, why are you concerned about Bitcoin's energy now? Why did, why didn't you care about it two weeks ago? It's like, God damn it. Just shut up, Elon, just shut up, delete Twitter. But of course he's never going to do it. Do you know, here's the thing, David, it's like, I don't care though. I yeah. feel like, so here's, here's the mistake that, uh, I feel like the crypto community made and this is, I understand it, right? Like when somebody with a lot of clout says something good about an asset, you, you, the community wants to put this person on a pedestal and that's what, that's what Bitcoiners specifically, but also crypto in general did with Elon two months, uh, two months ago when he added Bitcoin to the balance sheet. It's like mm -hmm. Elon loves Bitcoin now. He's a supporter. He's our hero. We put him on this pedestal, right? But like now he's turning on them. Right. And like this was all the we didn't have to put Elon on a pedestal in the beginning. I look here, here's what I feel like, David. It's like billionaires have been last to crypto, except maybe the Gemini or the Winklevoss twins at Gemini. Right. But yeah. like They've been last to crypto this entire time. It's been the nobodies who've really adopted crypto and understand where the puck has been going, right? Like very beginning of Bitcoin, it was the nobodies. Like Ethereum, very beginning, all of the VCs turned down Ethereum, didn't buy any Ether in the ICO. Very few of them did anyway. And it was the, the regular people, the crypto natives who got in first. It was like, it was the people, it was the nobodies. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we even taking advice from billionaires? Like we don't need their clout. Who cares, dude? Right. I don't care what Elon says. I don't right. care in the slightest what he says. Has Elon ever used Uniswap? Has he used Aave? Does he know anything about like right. using MetaMask and non-custodial wallets and DeFi, right? If if the answer to those questions is no, he doesn't really know about crypto yet, in my opinion. Like, okay, here's another Mark Cuban, different, different situation. Billionaire, he's gone deep. Like he mm -hmm. knows what he's doing in DeFi. You can see his solidity. Teaching himself solidity. We had him on the podcast, right? right. Different story. He's informed. Right. I don't think Elon's takes are informed right now. Maybe right. someday they will be. But uh, why do we care so much? I think there's I think there's good reasons as to why we care. Uh, Elon, it's not Elon Musk is just one man. Happens to be the richest man, but he has influence. And so, who cares about Elon? But I care about the people that think of him as a leader and are looking to him for information, right? Because 
the guy landed a rocket and stuff on Mars. I, I think yes. he did that. Like he 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 does stuff, right? Like he does really good stuff. He like basically memed electric cars into existence and forcibly changed the entire automotive uh, industry. The guy moves markets. Like crypto markets aside, he moves markets. He, he memed it. He memed it, but he also built it. He also, sure. and he also, he also built executed. it, right? Yeah. And so while he's just one man, like there, he's got a ton of clout and following. And so it's not just this one guy. It's like if he legitimizes Bitcoin, that's really powerful. If he's delegitimizing Bitcoin, uh-oh, fuck. Like a lot of people are going to take what Elon says at face value and be like, well, if Elon doesn't like it, like, like you know, the guy lands rockets on Mars. Like who am I to disagree with this man? Well, Dave, so this is why we had this, we had this, um, uh, podcast we did with mm. Udi Wertheimer, right? Mm -hmm. And this was kind of like, I actually, I, I expected that to be sort of a, you know, kind of a troll fight back and forth, but Udi actually had some good takes about this. Yeah, Udi has one good of takes. his takes, like one of his takes was, um, takes. yeah, he does, but good take <laughs> here. One of his takes was like, Hey, you are crypto natives are dramatically underestimating influencer coins. Yeah. And what is Elon doing? is he's propping doge up as an influencer coin it's right. kind of like his it's now coin. elon coin yeah mm -hmm. yeah and like the market doesn't necessarily care about like bitcoin maximalism or right. decentralization they very much care what elon buys and what he says so they're going to go to w whatever he says i don't know what what's your take on that do you think uh we're, we're underplaying in crypto uh influencer coins you think they have a huge future here yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, crypto needs help going mainstream. Like, we can't do it ourselves. We can try and bootstrap our, our way into existence, and, like, it'll work, but really slowly. And we all want crypto to be here, like, tomorrow, right? So we do need influencers to come and say, like, oh, yeah, crypto's dope. Um, and and Elon Musk is perhaps the world's biggest influencer. And right now he's saying crypto's not dope. And so we're all like, fuck! <laughs> yeah, that's that, man. <laughs> that's my that's take. Elon. Here's I'm my take. It. Fuck! Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> not a kid-friendly show not this week sorry let's go to another take um oh this is elon again i'm skipping yeah that. we're done with elon so many so many doges yeah mm -hmm. all right another take polygon rise of polygon what does this mean sushi swap passed 500 million total locked value on polygon this week that's just that's just one delphi digital released a report about polygon as the swiss army knife of scaling solutions and emphasized how fast it's growing, how well it's doing, how many DeFi apps have migrated to it. Um, this is what the Polygon ecosystem looks like. We got to talk about the rise of Polygon, David. So what's happening here? Yeah, so there, the Swiss Army knife of L2s is a really interesting take. And uh, my buddy, Michael Wong, the chief of culture at, uh, at Bankless, uh, made this really good take that, you know, there's a reason why Loopring has had like troubles trying to trying to get out the door. And all and it's because like SushiSwap can't build on Loopring. Loopring has to build its own. It's liquidity. not open. It's not yeah. it's not open. Right. And so SushiSwap comes into Polygon and just deploys itself on Polygon and like, oh, like we take this big project on AL1 and just we put it on the Polygon. And all of a sudden that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Shout out to Michael Wong. Here he is. What up? Oh, hey, my, hey Michael <laughs> Wong. What are you doing? Is that real? Did that just happen? That, that really does happen. He's in the back. Um, and, so, and so that's kind of like this, this gets into a broader conversation as what really Polygon is, right? It's not like an, a, a specific L2. It's a Swiss Army knife of L2s. Well, or I got to stop you here. I got to stop mm -hmm. you here, though. Okay. Because L2. We've defined this before. Ah, sure. L2 is secured by an L1. Sure. So an right. L2 on Ethereum would be secured the economic security and the underlying asset mm -hmm. of the L1 of ETH. 
And Polygon is not quite that. It does yeah. checkpoint back to Ethereum, but yes. it is more like a sidechain. At least they have a Plasma version, but mm -hmm. that's that's not really what's what we're talking mm -hmm. about here. It's their proof of stake version, which has like a set of validators. So right. it's almost like similar to maybe Cosmos, mm -hmm. uh, similar to a more, I guess, distributed version of Binance chain even, right? right? It right. does checkpoint to ETH. So mm -hmm. there are some differences, but like you, you were saying layer two, would you like, would you amend that? Is it's not, cause it's not really a layer two, is it? Yes, uh, you are technically correct, and that is the correct way to view things, and that's the informed okay. way to view things. I will not amend this because I'm going to put on my mm. first cycler hat and my crypto novice open, like like non-informed perspective, and which is going to be the mainstream perspective, right? So they come onto Ethereum and they say like, "Oh, gas price, gas prices, those really suck. How do I get rid of those?" Some people got rid of those by going to Binance Smart Chain uh, and which is a different chain. Other people are going to get rid of those by going to Polygon. And this is where the question of does decentralization really matter can actually, I think, be much more fitting because the difference between Optimism and Arbitrum, which are like holistic, complete, uncompromising L2s and Arbitrum or, and Polygon, maybe that act, that difference is less. And maybe we are ready to sacrifice decentralization, not because we're sacrificing it at the base layer, but we and we but we're okay with sacrificing it at the L2 layer, the L2 layer. And so to some degree, if Polygon is not a true L2 and it's actually just a side chain that checkpoints to Ethereum, to some degree, if it just works and it's not maximally decentralized okay. in the way that you know other L2s could be, if it just works and everyone gets their funds back and nothing breaks, that's great. That's fine. Call it an L2 take, at that so, point okay. in time. Okay. I'm going to take the other side of this for a second. Would yeah. you say the same about Binance Chain? Right. Binance Chain has mm -hmm. had definitely some transaction volume. There are definitely some applications on um, Binance Chain that are doing well. Mm -hmm. Definitely lower gas fees. What's mm -hmm. Is there a difference between Binance Chain and Polygon in your mind? Yes, there's two main differences. One, you have to go through Binance to get to Binance Smart Chain. So that that is a big change. Like the process of actually moving your funds there actually literally goes through, I think that's true, literally goes through a centralized service. Well, the other let's thing say is, there was a bridge. Yeah, okay, say so there there, say, say there is a bridge. Okay. One one is about the incentive misalignment between Binance Smart Chain and Ethereum. And on in stark contrast, the attempted uh, incentive alignment between Polygon and Ethereum. Uh, the Polygon team, Mihailo, Sandeep, Ethereum bulls, like want to help Ethereum. They are politically aligned with Ethereum and Polygon is trying to become constructed in a way that's politically aligned to Ethereum. On a technical level, that's involved with checkpointing to Ethereum and that kind of removes that centralization vectors over time, not perfectly, but over time it removes that centralization vectors by checkpointing. But also just uh, there's a conversation of allowing Ether to be gas on Polygon. And so there's the Matic token, which you stake to, to be part of the uh, consensus le level to Matic, which is what separates Matic from Ethereum and makes a division. But what they are considering is using Ether as the consumable gas asset on Polygon. And so they are... And I used this metaphor yesterday when I was talking to Mike. It, it reminds me of like two kingdoms back in old times and one kingdom's bigger than the other and, and one kingdom owns the smaller kingdom and makes the smaller kingdom pay taxes to the bigger kingdom. Ethereum is like 
oh, do you want our blessings? You use our money as the, the native fee payment currency on Matic, right? Like you better use our money. Like, and so it, Matic is giving up. It's like, oh, Ethereum, please like us. We want, we want you to like us. You know how we will get you to like us? We will use your money as the consumable transformable asset and we will give up that role of the Matic token to Ether, the, the token, which just is making a, and so really what Matic is doing is optimizing. It's, 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 it's making a hybrid bullish position between Matic bulls and Ether bulls and trying to blend Matic community and, and Ethereum community. And that's is starkly different than Binance so, Smart Chain. And so those things, to, to, to tie this off, the yeah. main difference between my, uh, Matic and uh, Polygon and Binance Smart Chain is political alignment with Ethereum. And as we say at the end of the day, everything the, it all collapses down to layer zero, which is people. So you're saying even though some of those things haven't happened yet, like ETH being mm -hmm. used as a native fee, for instance, and I know, by the way, uh, Polygon has other plans mm -hmm. to roll out more uh, layer two-like solutions, right? So Polygon is kind of a Swiss army knife. Proof of stake chain is just one approach. They, they plan to have kind of a roll-up based approach in the future. Um, but what you're saying is th those plans, even though they're, they're in the future, um, like because they are socially and politically aligned, with Ethereum, then uh, that's why you trust Polygon more than you would Binance Chain. Whereas like mm -hmm. CZ is not socially or politically aligned with Ethereum. He is socially and politically aligned with, with Binance, Binance right. the company, yep. and BNB token holders maybe. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. if that's the case, David, is this you being like, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate, right? Yep. I'm like, I like what's going on, but um, is this you being tribal about things? Like some people are, some people would say, David's saying Polygon good, but Binance Smart Chain bad. Mm -hmm. Just show, like there's uh, a contradiction here. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? I think the contradiction is is not there, and I think Polygon good, Binance Smart Chain bad is that you know Binance is is bankers, and Polygon Polygon is attempting to be as aligned with the values, be an extension of the values of Ethereum as possible. Uh, I don't. I think there's uh, something to say that the absolute insane rise of Matic token over the past month has occurred simultaneously with the rise in Ether, the asset, over the last month. People rotating into Matic is a fractal off of people rotating into Ether, and it was a political rotation both ways, right? Like people understanding that Ethereum is a place to be. Also, Matic is the Binance Smart Chain killer, uh, and so while may, perhaps they are fundamentally constructed similarly, even though checkpointing is actually a very big point about there about are Polygon. some differences for sure right. i um, totally agree but the difference is is that binance smart chain is a banker's chain through and through and and i'm pretty sure consensus is permissioned whereas matic consensus is not permissioned with a, with a matic token and overall they are committed to ethereum values and that's really what the through line of polygon is and well, so that's a very here, big difference the big take here is something that we've i think predicted on bankless is actually uh, coming true that's that sidechains like binance smart chain aren't actually competing against Ethereum. Mm -hmm. They're competing against other Ethereum sidechains or Ethereum's layer two. That's what they're really competing against. And we've seen this massive rise in Polygon as it's kind of got its, its feet um, at the expense of not Ethereum, but at the expense of Binance Smart Chain, right? Like a lot of that activity is starting to leak over to, to Polygon uh, and, you know, at the expense of Binance Smart Chain. So it's like two layer twos, two side chains competing against one another. And Ethereum is, uh, Polygon is starting to capture that flow from Ethereum now. All right, 
I think we have some takes on Polygon a little bit later that we'll get back to. Mm -hmm. But let's get to some other Ethereum stuff. Speaking of billionaires, Mark Cuban. This dude on Twitter has been stalking Mark Cuban's ETH address, which is kind of cool that you could do that, I think. Mm -hmm. like, also, Mark Cuban didn't really know that you could do that when he first got into Ethereum. That's true. I think he knows now, though, right? Yeah, he um, does know now. But what's Mark Cuban doing? Well, maybe he's listening to Bankless Podcast. Maybe he's reading the newsletter because he's fooling around with Alchemix, mm -hmm. which we're big fans of. Right after the uh, Never Sell plan, which uh, had Alchemix front and center. Look at this. He's staking. Mm -hmm. um, Hedgic. Yep. Uh, some advanced options. DeFi yep. stuff. Mm -hmm. 200 Ether Dow vaults. Wow. Look at nice. that, dude. Nice. Cool. Good job. Good job, Mark Cuban. Proud of you. That's how you do it. If you're a billionaire, well, sorry, no, sorry for stalking you, but we're going to keep on doing it. <laughs> Someone's going to if we don't. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's talk about this, too. Mm -hmm. Speaking of big money, all right. ARK Invest, massive fund. They've been primarily Bitcoin focused to this mm -hmm. point, but it's the fund Chris Berninski came from. Yep. Uh, they have finally started to purchase, it is official, ETH. Yep. Small increment now, 20 million worth. But David, I remember not too long ago, we had people on the Bankless podcast who were debating us. Ryan Selkis was debating us about um, institutions never purchasing ETH. Like funds like ARK yep. wouldn't purchase ETH. Um, people like companies wouldn't put it on their balance sheet, wouldn't hold it in their treasury. Mm -hmm. And like now, not less than six months later, it's starting to happen. I, I right. feel like ARC is a big move in that space. Now, mm -hmm. they're not custodying it. They're buying it through Grayscale, but that's how they purchase Bitcoin Fine. as well. Uh, so it's happening, man. And that's it's only big. $20 million, but I mean, the bigger signal is that it's at all, right? Um, that's really the new paradigm shift here. I think it is. Uh, we should have Ka Kathy on the podcast. It'd be a good discussion. Kathy, please come. <laughs> eBay opening up its NFT, uh, opening up its platform to NFT sales. This mm -hmm. is like OG web 1.0 meets crypto. Kind of right. cool to see. It's slightly disappointing that they didn't pick Ethereum. They picked Wax blockchain, which is a 2017 oh, wow. project. But, uh, you know, if they're getting into NFTs, uh, if, if, you got, if, you're, if, you're, if you believe in the protocol sync thesis, you end up at Ethereum. So I'm just happy they're getting into NFTs. There you go. Um, Let's talk about this. This oh, is no. in Bitcoin news-ish. Bitcoin news-ish? This is crypto news. BlockFi news, yeah. botched some promos with an outsized Bitcoin reward payment here. What what happened with uh, with BlockFi? Right. So BlockFi, crypto bank, crypto lending platform like Compound or Aave, where you deposit assets and you get yield on them. Uh, they pay out uh, they pay out USDC payments, obviously in USDC. Something got messed up, and when people hit the withdraw USDC button, instead of getting USDC withdrawn, they got Bitcoin withdrawn. So instead Oops. of one USDC, they got one Bitcoin, uh, and that's a big <laughs> difference uh, in in value. Uh, and so I think they I, some people got two Bitcoins, some people got seven Bitcoins. Like a decent number of Bitcoins accidentally got sent out by BlockFi. And there was one post on Reddit or on 4chan I saw of one of the recipients of one of these Bitcoins, and they were like, "Not your keys, not your crypto. Like thanks for the Bitcoins." <laughs> and I and which were like not recommended. If this was if one of you guys got Bitcoins, like mm. you're don't send those Bitcoins away. Like the meat space nation state regulation police are coming after oh, you. I mean, to like, get on BlockFi. Those, those transactions are getting reverted. Yeah, K, yeah, you're right. KYC is on BlockFi. They know who yes. you are. You know that they this know is where a you live. Yeah, like th this is, a, I think, an interesting example of just like, this is going to get rolled back, not at the protocol level, obviously, but at the meat space level. Like those totally. Bitcoins are getting sent back. 
yeah yeah like unless you want trouble with the nation mm -hmm. state which which you don't like they have your passport on file um right. anyway mm -hmm. too bad for blockfi on that one uh i think it'll get resolved just a little snafu there let's talk <laughs> regulation um China... uh, the, the through line here is that protocols don't mess these things up <laughs> protocols yeah ave doesn't <laughs> accidentally withdraw bitcoin when you requested to withdraw usdc <laughs> that is true that is true. It's uh, as long as the code is written well, they don't mess this up. <laughs> that would <laughs> be an interesting bug. In <laughs> All right. So this is part of the China FUD, I think, D David. So this is regulatory. Three self-regulatory organizations within China reiterated a 2017 stance on crypto. Here's what they said. These are bank regulators in China. Um, basically, they said that crypto is, here's the quote, severely damaging the people, uh, the safety of people's property and disrupting financial stability. What's interesting about this is not that this is coming out of China, but I think that this is something that bankers in all nation states will say. The problem with crypto is it's damaging safety of people mm -hmm. and it's disrupting financial stability. We're gonna hear that reiterated over and over again when nation states and bankers take a negative stance on crypto. So it's coming out of China, wouldn't be surprised if we hear it in other jurisdictions too. If you hear headlines like that, what you should actually hear is, we have all the control. We don't like these things that take away control from us. Please, <laughs> here's some reasons why you should keep us, us allowing to have control over your lives. Exactly. That's what's, that's what's really going on. But they'll, mm -hmm. they'll say they're protecting you. Let's talk about some more banks, David. Bank of America leaned into blockchain to speed settlements. What's the quick take here? <laughs> I love leaned into blockchain as if blockchain is a thing. What they actually mean is Ethereum. Uh, that is actually what's going on. Uh, and and so they are actually selling, uh, settling securities on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, what's there's, cool there's, about there's this is a, they partnered with the crypto bank to do it, Paxos to do it. So it's like, I think this is what's going to happen. It's legacy banks. They'll partner with Coinbase's, they'll partner with Paxos, and they'll roll out something cool. This, this might be cool. Securities on chain. Um, we've been promised that for a while. Maybe maybe they could do something in this space. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Wells Fargo, our favorite. They <laughs> <laughs> Wells Fargo uh, is instituting some some onboarding to crypto for clients. Yeah. This, yeah, I think this they, they have some Bitcoin fund uh, offerings, or or and the, the thing is like it's only available to wealthy clients, which is just peak peak banks. Peak banks, Bitcoin only fund for for wealthy only Wells Fargo customers. Nice job, Wells Fargo. Two trillion <laughs> in assets, but but only for wealthy clients. Like mm -hmm. as if we need Wells Fargo to yep. help us buy crypto, yep. right? Like too slow, too slow. Sorry. Moving on, Wells Fargo. Bye bye. You think they heard about our T-shirt, David? Oh, I'm the sure they are sweating. They are just I'm sure <laughs> corporate Wells Fargo is sure. just sweating at the T-shirts we had. Some bad stuff's happening on Binance Smart Chain, by the way. I, I haven't mm. kept up with all the technicals here, but um, here's one bad thing. It seems like the network is increasingly unstable. What's going on mm -hmm. here? Yeah, so uh, we have Crypto Ultron who says he runs a BSC node. He says, the network is constantly forking uncontrollably. For every block that is part of the main chain, there are around five uncles. So five accidental forks going on before the blockchain can find consensus again. Several validators are running subpar hardware and cannot keep up with the rest of the network. Uh, this is, first off, just a tweet, so unverified. But we've been covering topics like this of the massive amount of state blow over the last few weeks. And so this was predictable 
Uh, and so that's kind of why I feel comfortable talking about this here, even though it's unverified. It's like, this is the predictable logical conclusion of what happens when you just fork Geth and the Ethereum one client, add 50 million gas instead of 15 million gas <laughs> and, and, and cut block times down from 13 seconds to two seconds. You just blockchain just grows too fast. And so now everyone is having consensus issues because there's too much data being going around and no one can keep up with things. Uh, this is the logical conclusion of the Binance Smart Chain. It's finally coming to a head. CZ, if you're listening, here's how you fix this. I'm going to tell you how to fix this. Come up with a checkpoint where one single block that was perhaps like yesterday's block is just the new Genesis block of Binance Smart Chain. Delete all of the history and go from there. Problem Oops. solved. You're just, all you have to do is do that every two months uh, and come up with a checkpoint and then you can keep going. And, and every single two months, you're going to lose consensus, but you just checkpoint, delete the history and keep going. Problem solved. Sorry, is this DeFi, sir? Send, send me my BNB tokens, please. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, the developers of Geth predicted that this would happen. Mm -hmm. Here it is. It's happening. Yeah. Um, Shocker. Let's Shocked do some drive-bys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this one, David. Let's go back and forth. MicroStrategy has acquired another 10 million in Bitcoin. Another week, another MicroStrategy. Dollar cost average in from Michael Bop Saylor. No wonder he is the save, savior of Bitcoin mm -hmm. right now. Uh, that's drive-by one. What's this one? Urine Finance sees at the dip and buys back $1.47 million of YFI tokens, doing the same thing uh, as, as Michael Saylor. And the funny thing is they have these same similar announcements about like Yearn bought the dip, you know, added to the treasury. The other cool take on this is that Yearn is at the, uh, you know, kind of the team layer, the team behind Yearn is now executing on a MakerDAO style tokenomics value capture mechanism where they're using funds generated by Yearn to buy back YFI off the secondary market and withhold it from the secondary market. It's a buyback and burn model, just like MakerDAO. Cool community there. Let's go to the next one. Alchemix Audit, it finally came. So Alchemix has been a really cool protocol, but I, I got to be honest, David, I was I was sweating it. I don't think I have the tweet up, but I was sweating it when Alchemix was, was uh, getting all of this total locked value mm -hmm. locked inside of it. And there hadn't been a completed registered right. audit, right? Now it's come. I think that will give some folks... Mm -hmm. uh, will help them breathe a, a sigh of relief. Although an audit does not mean that the thing is unhackable. Uh, it is a, a good sign that they are now audited. Uh, what's the next one here, David? Usually we wouldn't really report on audits, but literally everyone was like waiting for the Alchemix audit. So that's why I Finally. report it. The next one is $1 billion now stored in Argent wallets. Congratulations to Argent. Uh, they have also been innovating at the uh, transaction level. I think, uh, pooling transactions together either via uh, mining pools or just other user customers together i don't know i was talking to mike he knows about it more than more than me but they have some innovations with reducing gas fees out of argent which is always helpful because they're a smart contract wallet therefore gas fees are always higher in smart contract wallets and then they say yeah they end with layer two is on the way hashtag eth summer i like that hashtag yeah i think that's because maybe it's coming in summer We'll see. Uh, diversify, $5 million round. Diversify is a DeFi exchange. Uh, they are built on Starkware's layer two. This is a true mm -hmm. layer two solution. They're closing some more um, uh, funding, which will, will help them build out uh, their exchange. I uh, love the work that they're doing. Congratulations to that team.
Next up in the funding round, DeFi dashboard Zapper raises $15 million to build on platform App Store. App Store. Hmm. What are the plans coming from that? Wow. Interesting. Uh, first off, Zapper is absolutely fantastic. Uh, that, that's where I see the a, just a report of all of my uh, wallets and all my little DGEN activities. They also have Polygon in, interacted with there. Uh, and so uh, they also just ship so fast. Uh, so really excited to see what they can do with this $15 million. Excited to see what an App Store is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we are going to come back with some hot takes and, of course, the meme of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Guys, we've entered a bull market. Now is the time to start building your crypto empire and you should do it on Gemini. You already know Gemini is the world's most trusted crypto exchange, but now you can do even more than trade. You can earn. You can take one of your crypto assets and park it in an interest earning Gemini account where you can get up to 7.4% annualized. There's nothing more satisfying than earning passive income on an asset that you're already bullish on. This is a crypto native superpower. You know what's coming soon too? A Gemini crypto credit card. Yep, that's a credit card, not a debit card. It gives you rewards and hard money crypto assets, not something inflationary like airline miles or hotel points. It gives you up to 3% cash back in crypto. The card is coming in Q2, but you should get on the waiting list right now and we'll include a link. See what I mean? This is more than just trading. Gemini is your bridge to crypto for the bull market. Open a free account in less than three minutes at Gemini.com slash GoBankless. Get $15 in Bitcoin after you trade your first $100. That's Gemini.com slash GoBankless. All right, David, let's start with the takes. DeFi Summer Round 2. This is Andrew Kang with this take. What is he talking about here? What is DeFi Summer Round 2? How's it going to be different? Right. So DeFi Summer Round 1 was all about uh, yield farming, liquidity mine, token distributions events to people that are using these protocols. And so what Andrew Kang is talking about is the game plan for DeFi Summer Round 2. We're not just going to repeat history because that you know that's not how it works. We're going to rhyme history. And so the way that history rhymes with his upcoming DeFi Summer Round 2 that he's trying to illustrate is that instead of applications on Ethereum doing you know yield farming, instead it's going to be L2s doing liquidity mining incentives, distributing mm -hmm. tokens on L2s. That's currently what's going on on Polygon. You can get uh, you know Matic rewards by depositing liquidity into Aave. You can get Matic rewards by de uh, depositing liquidity into Sushi. So 
swap. So many different ways are being subsidized and incentivized by the Polygon team via Matic token distributions. And so just go use Matic stuff, you get Matic rewards. And that's just to, and, and they got me with this. I, I put my Matic You're on Matic, Matic L2, deposited into Aave, realized that the yields were insane. So I deposited Matic into one side of Aave, borrowed Matic from the other side of Aave, redeposited that, just kind of, uh, kind of wound up the position. It's actually not leveraged because my borrowing is denominated in what I'm lending. And so that's a much more safe. Again, do your own research getting a decent amount of Matic rewards. And now I just find myself with a decent size of my portfolio on the Polygon L2. Like they got me, like they got me with the incentives. <laughs> like I got got, and we're about to have Optimism and Arbitrum. Probably they're probably gonna have a token because why the hell wouldn't you have a token? How else are they going to incentivize people to come on board and use their stuff? They're going to, and they also need to distribute their tokens. Who's so funding these to, incentives, David? Is it is it the, the L2s themselves or is it the L2s plus the protocols? Like, is it like Aave plus Right, it, it works both ways, right? And so okay. the L2s are incentivizing the apps who are, and the apps are incentivizing the people. It all works, it all works out. And so like you thought DeFi summer, What's crazy with yield farming opportunities? What happens when you add a whole entire new dimension, which is the L2, right? So the, the DeFi summer round two is going to be underpinned by just yield farming out of the actual base layer, the L, the the L2 itself, not just the application. And then also the applications, right? Absolutely crazy. Really interesting take from Andrew Kang. Guys, I think this is one of those alpha takes. This is one of those opportunities to get ahead of things because mm -hmm. what Andrew's saying, what David is saying feels absolutely right to me as well, mm -hmm. right? The reason we saw DeFi Summer last season was because Compound issued a governance token mm -hmm. and it worked so well that all of the other DeFi protocols did. By the end of September, Uniswap didn't what didn't even have the intent to, to launch a uni token. This is what Hayden Adams said when we had him on, but mm -hmm. did anyway. Why? Because crypto economic incentives worked so well. Now you've got DeFi protocols who continue to have this incentive to push users to layer twos. Plus you have the layer twos themselves that are locked in this uh, competitive battle to gain traction, gain liquidity and gain users. So Optimism, Arbitrum, Polygon, they're all going to want to incent users and incent liquidity. So token summer, it's about summertime mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That, that feels like a great take and a little bit of alpha for you guys. Get prepared Absolutely. for the possibility of DeFi summer round two. Um, let's go to this next take. David, this was Dave Portnoy. Man, this almost got overshadowed by everything else as the, the market fell out. But like, is this the top signal? He, he introduced what he calls his shitcoin announcement. And he got behind this coin called SafeMoon. It has a whole video about it. He did? Kind of funny. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. So you didn't see this? No, I didn't see this. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, I must feel uh, conflicted about actually talking about this because it gives more attention to the thing that he wants attention for. But he's basically saying, I am uh, behind SafeMoon now. I've bought it. You should buy it to jump into my influencer Ponzi scheme. Right. To, to like, it's, it's like his version of Elon's Dogecoin. Is, is safe moon here and, and he put this out this tweet out on the 17th and then we just absolutely had the most violent dump two days later <laughs> perhaps perhaps that was the quote-unquote top here's my take on this man like i am not here for meme coins mm -hmm. like i'm just not here for this shit like so being a meme coin and by by this i mean like just being sort of an influencer coin mm -hmm. or like 
not having any value proposition beyond the value proposition of somebody else is going to buy this thing in the future, right? right? Which I don't discount. There's some value there. Right. Um, Only if it's underpinned by fundamentals. There's just, it's, it's, it's not enough for me anymore, right? right? Like, I feel like everybody chasing these meme coins, by the way, Bitcoin included at some level, it's the most successful meme coin. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're playing in the kiddie pool (laughs) and like, we're out here exploring the ocean, dude. Like I, what, what is ether? It's so much different. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a meme coin aspect to it, but it actually generates transaction fees. It's a capital asset, right? Which is the meme by the way, (laughs) which is the meme. It's making the world more decentralized. Mm -hmm. It's making the world more bankless. What is SafeMoon doing? Is SafeMoon doing that? Is Doge doing that? Right. Like, do people just Twitter buy and hold Doge? Right. Like, it's not enough for me. It's not mm-hmm. why I'm here. I'm done with meme coins. I'm done with influencer coins. I'm still bullish on Bitcoin. Right. Like, mm-hmm. because there is a place for some of these successful meme coins. But for me, it's totally not enough. And this market and this whole industry will be hollowed out by meme coins if if that is the only thing we're producing for the world. Fortunately, we're not. It's just right. the thing that media likes to uh, shine its light on and give attention to at this moment in time. But it's kind of kind of annoying, kind of frustrating. Like, I don't hate it. Like, people can do it whatever they want. It's free, open market. People can buy meme coins if they want. I don't hate it. It's just um, a shallow pursuit to me. And it's not yep. enough. Right. Not enough. You got to have substance at the end of the day. There has to be something real when you collapse down and kill the meme. There has to be something real there. Good memes are built on real foundations. Absolutely. Good memes have to be validated. Um, Mm -hmm. Elon Musk is now blowing up the Wall Street case for Bitcoin. Here's the take uh, here. It's basically that um, if Elon's tweets can evaporate like hundreds of millions in crypto market cap, right? It's not an institutionally ready asset. It's not institutionally great. That's basically the Bloomberg take here. That's a fair take. That's a fair take. But also, that is kind of the future. The future, in my opinion, (laughs) here's a uh, standing outside of crypto. The future is chaotic. The next 10 years is chaotic. The next 10 years is volatile. Uh, And so you got to learn to play in the game. Like, this is not your world anymore, institutions. We are finding new institutions. So like, you better get with the change. But also, what does a statement from Jerome Powell do to markets? Yeah, Jerome oh, Powell good. can make a statement. And Jerome Powell's the world's biggest influencer, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Are That's institutional in- influencers really that much different? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Jerome Powell has this power, and people think it's normal. It's just yep. like, yeah, Jerome. Like, let's let's watch everything he says. Mm-hmm. Just a different set of influencers. Yep. Institutional right, influencers approved. Uh, institutionally approved influencers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and mm-hmm. this is look. The Bloomberg is uh, finance. It's institutional media, so right. not surprised. Institutional influencers state. for institutional media. Oh man, uh, I just did a sneak peek. Oh, on you just sneak, sneak peek the, the meme of the week. Nope, we're not ready for that. What are you excited about, David? I am excited about the second half of the bull market. I said it earlier in 2017, I got into the world of crypto after I watched Ether go up to $430 and then fall down to $135. And I was like, whoa, I got to buy now. Uh, And (laughs) that was my first entrance. That was my first real buy of Ether. A dip. Uh, A dip. Uh, Well, I also bought the top earlier. Don't have have (laughs) a doubt on that. 
Um, I'm a crypto novice. I'm not automatically buying the dips. I'm definitely buying the tops the first time around. So I would like to but just uh, put myself, uh, pat myself around the back. So this is my crypto birthday. I went, I went one full cycle around the crypto markets, you know, four, four years around. I, I feel Happy like birthday. I've gone one, one full crypto revolution. Uh, and so here cycle I am. Cycle around the sun. Well yeah. Done. And so like, I, I kept on talking about like how there's first cyclers and technically I was still on my first cycle. As of this dip, this massive dip, I now consider myself a two cycler. Congratulations, so that's what I'm excited about. My happy crypto second birthday. birthday, sir. Thank you. Happy, happy second birthday. First that's birthday. That's awesome, man. First birthday, because I, I was true. zero. Yeah, and now you were I'm zero one. years old. You're, yep. you're one. This mm -hmm. is what I say. Like, it's like crypto is like three-year-olds teaching two-year-olds things. Like, we're all so early <laughs> in this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Ryan, what are you excited about? Uh, I, I, I want to riff off that, man. I'm excited about the dip. Like, sharing a dip with all of mm -hmm. you fine people mm -hmm. is actually exciting, right? Like, this is where you earn the crypto that you hold mm -hmm. it's it's very much a battle against like your lizard brain against yeah. all of your emotional reactions like builds character the volat it does the volatility in crypto will throw you for a loop if you let it right mm -hmm. but if you can take a long-term mindset if you can hold through these dips and think about like long-term horizons right um i don't know it's actually kind of a zen-like experience yep there's a little like chris berninsky out there you know mm -hmm. like that guy's always zen and, um, you know, he's Zen during the dips. He's Zen during the bull runs. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's Zen all of the time. And uh, you, you achieve that with practice. And yep. I'm excited to go through it. I know many, many people are on their first birthday. They're unicyclers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, this is all part of the game, guys. This is completely normal. It's all part of the game. Yeah, crypto, it's really a lesson in how well can you control your brain? How well can you control your emotions? <laughs> yes, because yes. markets so are yeah. emotional. Markets are by definition emotional. And when they are so incredibly crazy in crypto, that's by definition crazy emotions. And I remember when I was first getting into crypto, I was like, oh, that token pumps, got to go chase. Oh, that token pumps, got to go chase. FOMO, 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 fear, fear, fear. Oh, dip, is it over? It's like, shit, I don't know. Yep. Uh, and then this, this time around, I'm like, Eh, like congratulations to whoever won on that on that pump. I'm gonna wait my turn. Like, no, I'm not gonna pay that gas fee. I'm just gonna sit back. I got my bags. I'm comfy. Uh, oh, a dip. Oh, fuck. Wow. And, you know, ouchie. That hurt. Um, let's let's keep going though. Uh, you know, much more zen this time around. And so I hope all the people while who are going through these crypto markets are also practicing mindfulness at large because in, in separate from crypto, it's a good skill to have. But it also is a very strong skill to make you more money in crypto markets if you can be mindful. Well said. All right, with that, let's go to meme of the week, David. Meme of the What's week. The first meme. Emotions. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is awesome. What, what are we it's, not even, it's not even a complete meme because the text is in the tweet <laughs> I itself. Even so care. It's so good. Here's here's Naraj. I don't know what GM he, he starts saying GM. I don't remember what don't know what that means. But he goes, Remember, you can't spell crypto without cry. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a teary eyed cat sad, with a sad thumbs kitten. up. Yeah, sad, sad kitten. It, it's so good. Oh, it's, it's GM sounds for good we'll, morning. Thank you, Mike. Okay, good morning. Remember, you can't spell crypto without cry. That's awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was feeling it this week a little bit. All right, what's this one? Documenting Se Ethereum. Great meme account. Yeah, se second meme of the week. You get two this week. Uh, two. Now we're two spoiling our listeners. We can't give them two too many times. Yeah, we have the we have a, a, a the uh, the grid of gravitational uh, you know waves, right? And so we have the sun, and it's pulling down the gravity of the gra gravitational uh, you know grid. We have a neuron star. It's even more. And then we have the ETH price just going absolute tanking and then back up. And that's what a dip looks like. And that's sometimes how you can try and call a bottom. Very good. Uh, ending on a happy note. Of course, guys, none of this was financial advice. Was this just the dip? Was this the end of crypto? There's no way to be sure, but we're glad you're with us. 
on the Bankless journey. We don't think it's the end of crypto. We think we'll continue to do this into the future. Uh, thanks for joining us on another weekly roll-up. Take care, guys.